off top in the ninth century, the Pope had his predecessor dug up, dressed up in all his papal garb in order to, to stand trial. He was found guilty. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show, presented by Allstate, hosted by me. Great guest star we have today. Very intelligent and handsome. I like the stubble. Kevin Clark is in the building. Well, technically, he's not in the building, but we got the internet, so it works. What's up, buddy? What's going on? I'm so glad Charlie Kravitz is in here. <laughs> Are you? I missed. He texted Charlie. me this morning, and he was like, "He was like, I'm not going to be on. It's going to be you two. I don't know what he's doing. Is he golfing? Nah, his um his significant other is running the marathon, so he's got to stand close by and cheer her on and watch her be a better athlete than he ever was. Kind of like how we're here, and I'm a better athlete than you ever will be. (laughs) I don't know about that. Right now? (laughs) Could you run a marathon right now? Hell no. I mean, don't tell Carrie, but, I mean, running a marathon doesn't make you an athlete. It makes you an endurance athlete, which is not really all that athletic. It's just like running for a long time. I mean, I could run a marathon. How many miles straight? How many miles straight could you run right now? Uh, my dad likes to run. I ran 10 miles once with him, the Baltimore 10-miler. Right now, I give you four. I give you four. Get you, okay. get you two right. off of athleticism and two off of heart. But uh, we're not here to talk about my underachieving. We're here to talk about Brandon Staley's underachievement. Uh, so he going to get fired or what? I mean, we're going to do it today, tomorrow. Yeah. We wait to the end of the season. He had a, a sassy pants press conference. You know it's over when the coaches start getting into the sassy pants mood. Yeah, he was sassy, and it was – Sass mixed with arrogance, mixed with not actually having any solutions to the problem. So a couple of things about Brandon Staley that I want to talk to you about. Um, number one is that I, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, I was like, if you're Brandon Staley and the, Stan, the Spanos family who own the Chargers is like, why should you keep your job? The only like, give me an accomplishment. Give me a, a thing to stand on, a leg to stand on. And the thing that was presented to me that was ironclad was you might have to pay someone more money if you fire me. Like, like, is it like a mover, I mean, you know, moving Kellen Moore's office <laughs> from to be fair, the head? To be fair, that's probably pretty appealing from what I know about it's, the Spanos family. Spanos, that? Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's literally your first pitch. Come on. Come on. You don't want to do this. Think about the paperwork. Imagine hire some outside attorneys. Like this is, this would be problematic. Um, but the press conference today, was very strange because yeah. the reporters have seemed to have they asked very tough questions and they seem to have taken the stance of the fans. The fan right. base has turned on Brandon Staley and the reporters are the voice of the fans. So they were going at him saying basically, why aren't you giving up defensive play calling duties? Staley said, stop asking the question. Yeah. I'm calling defensive plays. Um, he's, they said, they're talking about Quentin Johnson who dropped oh. the pass that should have gone for a touchdown. And his, he, he got very defensive and said, well, you guys were at training camp. You had a great training camp. Brother, it is week 11 yeah. of the NFL season. So and you're talking about August 3rd. It's interesting that he's bringing up August 3rd training camp because he also gets frustrated when you bring up the Jags collapse from last season. So <laughs> you can't pick and choose when you time travel there, Brandon Staley. So it's it's looking bad right there. <laughs> is that not fair? Is that too far back? Because no, that, it's 100% fair. That, he's a historian who specializes in one part of history, and it's August, Jan, July 28th to August 15th. That feels like a very pivotal moment. He wasn't beloved before that, but if you win a playoff game, you're blowing out the team in the playoffs. 
it buys you an extra year or two. It gives you something to point to to say, all right, maybe things aren't going well now, but I'm the same guy that won a playoff game last year, remember? But now you're the same guy that blew a playoff game with a huge second-half lead that fell apart and then came into the season and have a, a, not a, a lot of other embarrassing things, including the fact that you're a defensive coach. And the major problem with this team is the defense. That's hanging on you also. You can also hang on you that Jordan Love, a player that we kind of started to accept is not probably long for the starting job, just put up his best career game against you in a game that you must win. And, of course, if Johnson catches that ball, they're immediately in field goal range. Maybe they even win that game, and maybe we're – talking a little bit differently about this team, but the pressure's not off. I think it just sped up, expedited the Kellen Moore takeover, which I'm not sure is the best solution, but it's the cheapest one for old Dean Spanos in the game. I, I agree. It's, it may not be the solution. Um, a couple things about the, the Staley era. First of all, you mentioned the defense. Uh, there was a cornerback who over the week uh, in the press conferences said they keep correcting the same mistakes, which is a sign of a bad coach, and especially if it's on your, your side of the ball if you're head coach. It's the same stuff. It's intermediate, middle of the field, uh, just torching. Quarterbacks just torching them there. And then beyond that, I mean, maybe, maybe this is just anecdotal evidence to me, but I'm not a huge Brandon Staley fan, and I haven't been for a couple of years. I just think he frankly talked his way into an NFL head coaching job, which happens. Yeah. Happens. He's not the only one. Good for him. Lots good of them do him. it. I mean, even the good ones have to talk 100%. their way into it. And Brandon Staley, it's a, it's a lot of talking because – his resume is quite thin. Anyway, yes. proceed. He was a blogger. He wrote like blog pieces about scheme like five years ago, like alarmingly, an alarmingly short time ago. But, you know, you're, you're talking to coaches, talking to coordinators, talking to position coaches, and Brandon Staley would come up. And I go, eh, you know, I'm not a huge Brandon Staley guy. And there's a lot of guys, and you know this, Dominique, yeah. where there will be like, I'll give you a great example. Frank Reich respected across the league. Right. And if I, I wouldn't, but I'm just saying like, if I was like, man, Frank Reich, what a clown. So we're like, no, 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 you don't get his coaching job. Here's coaching job. Here's coaching job here. He did this with this quarterback that he's the kind of guy people in the league stand up for. You know what I haven't heard at the water cooler? Yeah. Uh, you got it wrong. on Staley. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Behind the scenes. He's yeah. really a leader of men. Um, and I'm curious, like having played football uh, at a high level, like what part of this is like scheme versus leader of men. What I mean by that yeah. is like, he doesn't seem like he's a good leader of men. He seems like maybe he's trying to project that at press conferences, right. but he's also not putting these guys in position to succeed. What is the most important part of, so I, I think like, the, if you have to prioritize one thing, it's easy it question. I think it's the leadership part because that's yeah. the one job that no one else can do. Like you can have someone else coach your defense. You can have someone else scheme up your offense. You can have someone else do, I mean, you can have someone in your ear telling you the fourth down decisions, which is also a Brandon Staley special. Those are all things that someone else can do for you. The one thing you cannot do is build a relationship. And this has become a recurring theme. Fortunately, Charlie's not here to complain about it, but the culture matters. And this is part of it. It's one thing that you can have a disproportionate impact on when you're the best player on the team, you're the quarterback and you're the head coach. You cannot kind of uh, outsource culture to your defensive coordinator. And I think a lot of stuff that happens in particularly the way that he like conducts himself in the press conference, I think those things permeate the team and they don't look well, they don't look good. And all the stuff, all the bad decisions that you make or the risky decisions that you make, they look a lot worse when no one like believes in you. And I think this goes to the point of you <laughs> saying that 
there aren't a lot of people in NFL cir- circles who will stand up for him. I think it's the same thing because there are plenty of coaches who make consistently confusing decisions, but because they have relationships, because people like them, and I, I'm not saying this to dismiss the fact that their decisions aren't great, but I do think that part of the job, whenever you're in a leadership role, part of the job is projecting confidence and building relationships and He's failed at all accounts from scheming up a defense to building up the confidence of the team around you. It doesn't seem like there's any reason to still have faith in Brandon Staley going forward. And I'm not sure why they would keep him other than save a couple bucks, oh, a couple million bucks, but save a couple bucks for the rest of the season. Yeah. And also you'd have to hire someone right. like the pressure would be on to hire a guy who could save Justin Herbert's career trajectory, even though he's playing really well, they'd have to go out and get an offensive head coach. Maybe I've seen some people theorize Jim Harbaugh because maybe you could get him at a discount, which is you're speaking the Chargers language a little bit. If uh, if if he's not a well sought after uh, coaching candidate in this cycle. Um, But, yeah, I I completely agree with you want to say something. Yeah, no, I I was going to say that I'm I'm switch myself to Brandon Staley's defense attorney rather than saying that I'm cheap. (laughs) I think that he should say. This organization is cursed. That's it. Like, this curse. It's not my fault. It's on you. What happened with Phillip Rivers? No Super Bowls there either. Like, we all know it's a running joke now. The Chargers are always going to be going on a game-winning drive in the final minutes of the game just before uh, 60 minutes comes on on the East Coast. And (laughs) they're going to come up short. That's what happens there. I'm just here. I'm trying to hold on. I won't embarrass you too much. But it's going to happen to the Chargers because it's the Chargers. I I don't know what, <laughs> like where they go from here. Like no, wait, 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 wait. Can, can, curse is normally just bad ownership. Uh, fine, that's fine. But you can't. You're gonna tell them fire themselves? Yeah, whatever. I, I think there's a lot of um, cursed organizations. If it's bad ownership, I think we could go down to Carolina. They got a brand new owner who seems that he can't figure it out. But I was gonna transition. But you got more, or should we transition from? No, no. I, I'm I'm done. <laughs> I just the one one thing I wanted to say about the decision making. Uh-huh. To get to this point very quickly is he abandoned analytics midway through his head coaching tenure. And so then he, the nerds got off the wagon right. and then the bandwagon was full of like, like pregame show guys, <laughs> but then they were off it once he went back to the analytics thing. And like, there was a moment where they were doing, he went for it on fourth down and I was watching it, the, the Fox, you know how they narrate the halftime yeah. stuff. And it was like Jimmy and Strahan and all those guys who I, I, I really think highly of them. And they could not have had more disdain for Brandon Staley's fourth down decision. I forget what it was, it was like a fourth and two. And they were like, oh, my God. And so you're not making PFF happy. You're not making the Fox halftime crew happy. You've made no one happy because you go to the extremes of we're going to go for every fourth down. Or we're going to go for no fourth downs. Nobody's happy. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom. On Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. All right, from one curse organization to two that seem like they're about to break their historic curses, the Lions and the Dolphins. So they didn't play each other. They played separate games, but they both had <laughs> very, very embarrassing wins, if there's such a thing. Uh, the Dolphins over the Raiders and the Lions over the Bears. Which team you think their win was more? I can't phrase this properly. You know what I'm trying to say. Which team's win sure. told you more negative things about them? Close enough. Why you got to be negative? I don't know. It does feel like the start of the show is negative. We don't have Charlie, the sunshiny uh, lumber snack that is Charlie. So I just bring all the think neg- about, negativity. Think about the the cheer that his significant other is getting right now that we're not able to get. Like She's running. She's doing great. She probably made an incredible time. He is cheering her on, and we're sitting here being negative about any number of I mean, to be fair. We don't have that kind of positivity. To be fair, there's nothing that Charlie would love more than ripping Brandon Staley. So we did that for him. That was a gift to, <laughs> to you, Charlie. So I'll try this again. Who's win today gave you more concern, <laughs> yeah. the Dolphins or the Lions? So concern is relative. <laughs> if I were to say which which game was more disappointing, yeah. it was the Lions yeah, game. Yeah, 100%. couple of things for that. Number one is Jalen Ramsey is just back which suggests that the Dolphins' defensive ceiling is going to be raised. Um, And he's played well the last couple of weeks, but it's just like, this is who he is. He's going to be the guy they thought they were trading for. That is great news for January and potentially February. There's a difference to me in winning your clunkers and and forcing a miracle. And what, what the Lions did should not have happened. What the Dolphins did happens every Sunday, which is a good team, plays a clunker, in control for most of the game, um, but just kind of never never made the plays. Tua was turning the ball over. I'm fine with that. If, if, we, if I had to be more concerned with one game, it would be the Lions. But, that, again, that's not uh, – their golf is not going to be played play that poorly every single week. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, – I feel the same way. I'm not out completely on either of these teams. However, the problems were the problems when it comes to the Lions. It's like what I don't like to see is if you – are losing or lose a game or play terrible in a game against a bad team because of the things that we think are the concerns. So their issue is they don't have a pass rush. They don't have great pass defense. Defensively, generally, the Lions aren't very good. And the other issue is despite the fact that Jared Goff has been playing well, we all are like, at some point he might revert back into the Jared Goff that got him traded away from an eventual Super Bowl champion. And both of those things were the issue today which he got lucky with one interception. I think uh, Jalen Johnson dropped a red zone interception that would have gone back the other way. And they pretty much lost this game until the, excuse me, until the bears kind of fell apart and gave it back at the end. So 
you don't apologize for the wins, as Dan Campbell probably already said. So congratulations, they won. But the issues in this game were more uh, concerning to me for them going forward. But they have the good fortune of being in the NFC, so they might still make a run if they can clean up their problems. I just don't see an answer to their problems. Jared Goff is not going to become a different person in their defense. There are no answers out there uh, in free agency at this point. We're past the trade deadline. Their defense is going to be a problem going forward. Yeah, I I love this Lions trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Goff has now multiple times, multiple places, been the guy who can execute a really good offense to a really smart guy. And there's not a ton. There hasn't been a ton beyond that. If you've seen the lows and how low they've gotten. Um, so, but I think that week in week out, it's going to be a lot better than this. And it has been what I thought was funny was I saw this almost every lion fan in my timeline today, or not my timeline who found their way into my timeline today said the same thing, which was, we used to not be the team that won those games. Right. That's fair. The bad news in that argument is that the Bears have always been the team to lose that game and are still the team to lose that game. So you just, you got out Bears is what you did. <laughs> the um, Justin Fields looked good in, in spurts. Like, yeah, uh, sure. that was encouraging for the Bears. I know we're not here to talk about the Bears, but I do want to talk about the Dolphins a little bit. I think we agree on the Lions point. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins defense, you brought up Jalen Ramsey, wasn't just the two interceptions. His coverage was great through the course of the game. And that defense won the game for them. Uh, if it weren't for a couple of turnovers by two, giving them a short field and one big play from Devontae Adams, that was really the only way that they could score. Their defense won that game, and Tyreek Hill is impossible to stop. But they get 146 and a touchdown. He's on pace to be the first receiver ever to get 2,000 yards, and I think he's squarely in the MVP conversation. But the point. He should be the MVP. Yes. You want to make a Tyreek Hill MVP pitch? Is there more to it? Sure. Who's better? <laughs> Simple. Period. Yeah. I mean, I think you can see the impact that he has on offense. There was a stretch where he was not involved and they seemed to struggle mightily in the course of this game. Devon HN came back for one carry. And <laughs> so I guess to be fair, when I said the problem is the problem for the Lions, it's still kind of the problem for the Dolphins. When they were best on offense, they could run the ball and they had a guy named Devon HN. They still can't run the ball like consistently or effectively, and he's still not healthy yet. So that's concerning for them going forward in a much tougher AFC. Wasn't it so much easier when it seemed like they had a never-ending supply of fast guys in September, or it was just that they were just finding guys? And uh, they're still winning despite that. Yeah. So, like, I think that, I, again, you and I have talked about this a million times, but at some point in some way, defenses will catch up to McDaniel's scheme, and what they'll still have is – is the five fastest players in the NFL. And like that to me, and that, that's also one of my Tyreek points. It's just like, he, he just works in any situation, right. in any situation. And, and he's raised the floor and the ceiling on this offense. And they're going to win a playoff game because of him. Um, and, and, and how he fits in life. Like we talk about golf executing the scheme that was put out in front of him. Like Tyreek Hill makes the McDaniel thing go um, to the level it goes. Yeah. He's an amazing player. And he's one of those guys that when two you. Two is amazing. Two has been great too. Yeah, I don't two want to been, that. Two Tyreek been, Hill is the best player on the offense. Two has been great. We should celebrate to his accuracy, his anticipation, uh, his re- speed of his release. All those things are great, but I don't think anybody uh, is arguing that he is more important to this offense, or at least more consequential to this offense than uh, than Tyreek Hill. We watch Tyreek. Well, what what it is what it is for me is that there are a handful of guys who could do what Tua is doing, right. 
and virtually none who can do what Tyreek Hill is doing. Yeah, that specific role. Yeah, fortunately for the Dolphins, they do not have to separate the two, but they do also have to contend in AFC, which I know is not a fun point. We have to separate it because we're in the content business, baby. We did just separate it, didn't we? We decided. We yeah. agreed. So if we it's both over. agree, then we're right. All right. And now time for the good hands moment presented by Allstate. It's going to be a little bit biased. Deron Bland, cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. He had his fourth pick six for the season, tying an NFL record. He's only in his second year out of Fresno fifth round pick. It is just amazing. You want to say, I guess it's perfect that it's a good hands moment because everyone likes Mm -hmm. to pretend like DBs don't have good hands, but obviously we all do because Deron Bland does and he's replacing Trayvon (laughs) Diggs, who also is a cornerback with great hands. So it's a, I don't know, a a career's worth of interceptions, returns for touchdowns, and he has them just in like the first half of the season. I don't want to take anything away from him, but it appears that uh, the Panthers kind of like doing that. That's three weeks in a row, I believe, that they've had a pick six. But it doesn't matter. That's his fifth interception. This seemed inevitable if you looked at the the trends (laughs) of both Bryce Young and Deron Bland. Yeah, Deron Bland's fifth interception of the season, fourth return for a touchdown. It was an incredible moment. I am going to be celebrating this moment. It might be the most impressive accomplishment of anyone so far this season. I guess maybe CJ Stroud's pretty good too. So I'm not biased at all. I loved it. And he's doing it in a way where he's also like consistently good. The expectations weren't high right. for him. I think we, when you think of a player like that, you think of Marcus Peters or you think of Trayvon Diggs, the guy he replaced, Trayvon which Diggs. anyone who knows uh, like those guys know that they're kind of boom or bust, but the boom outweighs the bust. Ron Bland is not really giving up too many big plays against him and still getting those interceptions. I'm not sure if it's sustainable, but it doesn't matter. It's great. He has the support of that great defensive line. I don't know if I left anything on the plate for you because I'm just so excited. About no, I have a question calling. for you. All right, give it to I me. I have a question for you as the second best athlete on this pop, but still <laughs> a very good athlete. Um, is there an art to the pick six that I don't know about? So like obviously aggression and the ability to, to jump it and be comfortable missing, as you said, um, that's part of it. That's the prerequisite. I feel like this like, is just an you, insult. I will not asking me if there's an art to a pick six when I don't have it. No, but I'm like, is there a type of guy? Like, I remember those Ravens teams. I remember like Trevor Price. He's talking about how they used to practice. Uh, they used to practice like blocking and stuff, yeah. and like on the on the defense. I was on those like, teams. That, we, that I I was there for those practices also. No, not with Trevor. That's why I'm but, bringing yeah, it up. I was on those teams. Yeah, we did. That's why I'm bringing it up. Is that like that was where were you with Trevor? I had I was with Trevor in Denver, he, and oh, yeah, okay. and, but we weren't together in Baltimore. He, but he was in Baltimore. I remember I, it was in Miami, and they'd done something. But like they they went out of their way to get the pick six. Yeah. So and so I I had an interception that I returned for the touchdown in a game against the Steelers, and we practiced block. We practiced blocking. Oh no, the touchdown got called back. We uh, I think uh, Joe Flacco threw a touchdown later. It got called back because we practiced blocking, but apparently Terrell Suggs practiced blocking in the back. He blocked. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he blocked their tight end in the back, and the touchdown got called back. But we did. I mean, we did practice it. We also pitched. Was the it ball. Jermaine to the play? Would you have scored oh, without the trail? Yes, side? yes, of course. It was a tight end who was like slightly in front of me, but I was going to beat him to the corner and. Suggs lit him up because Suggs, Suggs like to hit stuff. But it's, Terrell Suggs is a lot like Josh Allen in that way, where it's like, hey, he going to do. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's, he's cut it loose. He going to do 15 good things. <laughs> and every now and then, he going to get a roughing penalty. That's all right. We'll take it. Every now and then, he going to block a tight end in the back. By all means, I was not going to say anything cross to Terrell Suggs. Thank you. 
sizzle because all the other interceptions I got were a result of the pressure that you created, which I think Deron Bland could say the same thing to his front, which is probably the best, not probably, is statistically the best pass rushing front in football right now. Hmm. When's the last time you had a pick six? Were you pop one or something? So I actually played in a Catholic League flag football uh eighth grade Ooh. team Ooh. and uh i actually like it was uh do you know what do you know the kimbo camper super bowl play do you know what i'm talking about Mm-mm. so before we were either of us were born the the washington played the dolphins in the super bowl and joe theisman got a pass deflected and kimbo camper at the goal line literally dropped a pick six that would have i think won them the super bowl it's like a huge sliding doors moment they lost that game washington won it but it's like if people made me still talk about the dropped pick six i had something like that i was playing middle linebacker Ugh. on the slag football team and the ball went up in the air it was like at the i don't even know what three yard line or something all i needed to do was bring it down and i dropped it <laughs> And I, oh, I, I still think about it constantly. Oh man! That and the time I missed an open empty net in hockey, but that was better because I, I was a goal scoring machine in hockey. So I, I love that you I were. Made, playing. I was like the Terrell Suggs. I was like the Terrell Suggs. <laughs> I was just I was generating so much that nobody was going to say anything to me when I made a mistake. I love that they put you at middle linebacker on flag football. It's like uh, it's like right field and pop. I mean, in uh, little league, where can we hide? The, no, the... this was a different era. This is the early two thousands. So it was like you know, it was like the Derek Brooks. Yeah, you know, you know, I was it's underneath. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was, I was the underneath okay. guy, okay. just roaming, roaming and taking away the, the Oh, the man. Of All right. Well, um... Brian Erlacher. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We've already made the switch from the not-so-positive portion of program to the more positive portion of program, and I think mm. we should proceed with that. I mean, we did all stay good hands, right? That's positive. We celebrated Deron Bland, so we should continue with that. Gotta figure out how I can make this next question positive. So, Joe Brady's amazing, right? Or is oh. Ken Dorsey terrible? How do you want me to answer that? Um, <laughs> so, first of all, the Jets gave up the most points they've allowed since 2021. Right. It seemed – can I tell you what's Hold funny? on. 20 seconds. It- 20 seconds. I should probably set it up a little bit better than that. So, oh, sure. the Bills – Got a win over the Jets where um, we remember last week we all were up in arms that Ken Dorsey got fired, offensive coordinator for the Bills, despite the fact that the Bills lost in no part because Ken Dorsey was bad. Their offense has been good for his entire time, his very short time as offensive coordinator. They're statistically very awesome. He got fired and we all were like, man, that's not fair. And then. Joe Brady takes over the offense and they blow up and. I guess you could say that the Jets aren't good. However, 
The Jets have been good defensively against the Bills. They've had negative. They forced the Bills to negative EPA in all of their last three games against them, which is to suggest that their offense was hurting their team. And in this game, they were dominant. They blew them out. They hit big plays. They did everything you expected them to do. All right. So credit to Brady. Blame for Dorsey. Got to pick one. Couple qualifiers before I get to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer the question. I'm gonna answer the question. Um, a couple qualifiers. This could have been the week that the Jets just gave up because of the quarterback position, and the Bills could have just gotten lucky because Robert Sal after the game said there's been no determination who's going to start next week, which is a real change of tune from previous right. discussions on Zach Wilson. Um, so that's that theory can float around there, but I'm actually going to give credit to Joe Brady. And I'm going to tell you why. So midweek, everybody was saying, well, need more motion, more under center, throw to the running backs more, more quick game stuff. Don't let Josh put the entire franchise on his back and make these wild runs or or throw these passes that end up being huge mistakes, all that stuff. And I had said to you and others, like, I didn't necessarily buy the schematics being the the change you needed right. because you could just tell Ken Dorsey to do that. Right. <laughs> and, and then it turns out that Joe Brady did all that stuff and it really worked. Right. So it's possible not being there. And I don't, I'm sure you've seen it a million times where there's just a huge disconnect from what people are saying, what's going on in the building. Right. Maybe it was a communication thing. Maybe it was a Ken Dorsey stubbornness thing. I always think that a lot of times what we call stubbornness, is just an inability to, to install what people are asking. Right. Like you may not, some people are just better at things than others. And Ken Dorsey may just be like, I don't, I'm not good at motion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so like, honestly, I, I don't know. know. I, like, I mean, I think Ken, and so, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I think Ken, so I think, saying is like, okay, let's talk over each other. It's fine. I think, wow. Wow. <laughs> this, what a second. I think Ken, <laughs> I think the tough thing about that situation to me is how I started this. Ken Dorsey was having success. So, like, I understand pushing back on people saying change this, change that when he's having success. And as much as I want to make it into a big deal that Joe Brady has success in this game doing those things, it's one game. And it's against, as you mentioned, it's against a team that was teetering is psychologically because they still <laughs> they still had Zach Wilson out there. So I don't want to take any credit away from Joe Brady and what he's done. And he did institute those things. But also in defense of Ken Dorsey, who's a Miami guy, which you are, which I would assume you would want to defend him because of that. Joe, Joe Brady is from South Florida. Uh, he didn't play quarterback for the national championship team for the school that you went to. So it's a little bit different. I think it was William and Mary. Oh, that's close to me. But they I think they are not national champs, at least not at this level. Nope. Um, so, I mean, I get that's it, it reminds me a bit of the conversation that we have about brace yourself. Bill Belichick. It's like now that he's not having success, I can understand why he would be annoyed if someone is like suggesting that he deserves to be fired or that they're going to take some of his responsibility. Ken Dorsey's not on that level, but since he's been a coordinator, he's had success. So if someone's like, hey, why don't you motion more? Look at the scoreboard. Look at these stats. Leave me alone. We're having success. Why don't you stop somebody? (laughs) Like the response I would put up there. So, I mean, I get it. I understand both sides of it, but it doesn't matter. When you don't have the power, you get sent home, and now he's going to look like he was the problem all along. When actuality, like, Josh didn't give the ball to other team with the exception of one, like, Hail Mary interception before half, which I don't think should count. It's a whole nother conversation. 
I know nothing about this, which is in no way different from anything <laughs> I ever, any topic I ever discussed. But I know nothing about this from a reporting standpoint. I haven't read anything about it. My guess would be, given the power Josh Allen has in the organization, yeah. that this was not a surprise. Yeah. And my guess is, and like every single time, there have been massive moves over the past decade. And every it, whether that's a trade, whether that's a coach firing, whatever. And almost every time, a couple of years later, somebody says, well, you know, we ran this past QB. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about the Bills. I'm right. talking about anybody in the league. Like that. And so it may be a communication breakdown. Maybe it was that stubbornness. But um, the fact that it was working almost suggests some sort of communication or personality breakdown. I mean, it all goes full circle, I think, to the original conversation we were having about Brandon Staley is there are things in managing a team, a person, an organization that you cannot put on a stat sheet. So while I would like to defend Ken Dorsey's um, record success on the field, it doesn't matter if the guy in charge doesn't believe you, which I'm not talking about McDermott, I'm talking about Josh Allen. If he doesn't believe in you, then you're doing something <laughs> wrong. It's important to develop that relationship. And it's not the way that you behave in developing that relationship for different players is different. I'm not saying that he did it right or he did it wrong. Well, I am saying he did it wrong. I'm not saying that there is one right way to do it, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. But the most important thing for the quarterback's coach, he was a quarterback's coach for the time when Josh Allen became a good quarterback. But the most important thing for that in the offensive coordinator is if you have a franchise quarterback, which we know they do, you need to have a good relationship with them. Y'all don't got to be friends. You don't got to go drinking on the weekends. Well, I guess you're playing on the weekends. You don't got to go drinking in the offseason, but you have to have a professional respect for each other and we don't know what their relationship was like but we know that if josh allen loved him i think it's fair to say they're not getting rid of him there's an old adage when you work for a sports team that is do everything you can not to be the coach's guy be the owner's guy because coach gets fired and then guess what happens without a second thought you get fired too they don't even think about it the guy in charge of payroll is just like, well, we're lopping off this guy's head. Everybody goes. When you're an offensive head coach, be the quarterback's guy. Yeah. What if it's Josh Allen? Yeah. If it's Patrick Mahomes? If it's Joe Burrow? Be the quarterback's guy and everything else will, will, will flow through that. And so that's why I would suggest week 10, something had to happen there. All right. Well, in the um, spirit of symmetry, we started being mean. We got to end there too. Zach Wilson got benched. Mm -hmm. For the Jets, finally. He got set down for old boil time. Uh, Mike Florio tweeted out that young Tommy DeVito has the same number of passing touchdowns as Zach Wilson in, in fewer games with a less talented team. I don't know why Zach Wilson is still uh, a viable option, but forecast for me. Is there any chance that Zach Wilson takes the helm next week? Chance, yes, because there's, we're well past the point where this should have stopped happening. Right. And it's obviously an ownership thing because I don't even think everyone's like, well, maybe it's a Joe Douglas thing. He doesn't want, doesn't want the pick to look bad. I think coaches can win power struggles with GMs. You can't win it with ownership. Yeah. And you can't win it with Woody Johnson, yeah. who I think if you kind of believe the gossip mill, Woody's very in tune with um, – with the media and how the franchise is perceived. And I think that just kind of 
reading the situation, I think that everybody in the organization wanted the Zach Wilson pick to eventually look smart. And I think that they thought Rodgers mentoring him for two years would at least help things, make him look competent in relief, and that they could not have one of the worst picks of all time. Unfortunately, it is one of the worst picks of all time. Um, there's no salvaging it. And every time they trot him out there, it gets worse and worse and worse. And for the sake of the franchise, they need to to stop it. They need to sign <laughs> somebody better than Tim Boyle, who's also not good. Um, Tim Boyle is just as bad as, as Zach Wilson. I've seen Tim Boyle play. I've seen him at training camps. I've seen Zach Wilson at training camps. This is yeah. this is not anything anybody should attach their franchise to. And so they need a plan. They should have had a plan three months ago. The plan is not Aaron Rodgers to get cleared in week, week, week 16 and to come back. That is not a plan. That's not a good plan. Also, you're not going to be in playoff contention. And if that's the prerequisite, it's not going to happen. I want to ask you, who is the worst as a defender? Who's the worst quarterback you've ever played with? It could be at any level. It could be like a high school where you're just like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't go out yeah. and play because I'm going to be out there four minutes later doing the same thing. Yeah, well, in high school, we had my senior year, we had a bad quarterback. And so week five, I became the quarterback. And so then we had a bad quarterback who could run. So <laughs> it, was, it was much better. We went on to win a bunch of games. So the solution, the ownership situation in my high school was not as stubborn as the ownership situation in New York. And also, I, I don't know, I guess they could get the best player on that team. Quentin, let him play quarterback, see how that works out. Sauce Gardner. Yeah, or maybe Sauce, Sauce probably give you a couple of big plays. I don't know, Morstead, the punter, he can throw a little bit. Uh, he had a great, he almost had a 44-yard, he got, he got uh He's, the guy stepped out, but he almost had a 44-yard reception. It was the best throw of the day from that side, from the Jets' sideline, unfortunately. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fun. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how we'll look at the film afterwards and see if we let Charlie return or see if I we just get want midweek. Him. I just want midweek Dominique Foxworth quarterback, high school quarterback tales. Oh, I mean, what are the tales? I I got in shotgun. They said hike, give me the ball, and then I outran everybody to the edge. That was it. That's the tale. <laughs> that was it. Story over. Beginning of. I just don't know. I can you very quickly. I'm sorry. I don't want to no derail this. No don't you think a wildcat, a, a fast as hell wildcat quarterback running innovative sideline to sideline schemes could generate more offense than Zach Wilson? Um, at first, yes. You're going to have to be able to throw the ball. The athletes in the NFL, because there, I mean, I guess maybe there's one person or two people that are so fast that it'll put pressure on the defense immediately. But everybody on defense is really fast too, so it would you would be required to do like wing T style misdirections and stuff. So right. I mean, you're that's what I'm talking. You're about. essentially trying. But that'd be hard to install. Yeah, that'd be hard to install. You don't necessarily have the personnel to do it, but I don't think you'd be any worse because at least you reduce the chance of interceptions because. You're keeping the ball on the ground. You wouldn't be much worse. The game would be much shorter. I think it's probably a better option than what they've been doing. So, Garrett Wilson, warm it up. See what you can figure out. Take some snaps. I don't know. Anyway, this go. has been an awesome show. We'll see if we have Charlie back or not. We'll go back and watch the tape to see how great we were, to see if we need to add Charlie later in the week. Either way, we'll be back before Thanksgiving. So, thank you, Kevin Clark, for coming through for me. Uh, for this program. Also, thank you to all my great production crew, Brian, Kevin, Serafina, Megan, 
and Cortez, whom I always forget, but I remember this time. And all right, of course, always. Thank you to Allstate. This has been the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. We're out. See you soon. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.